The Fake Show podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-shirt designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Bernie Madoff always had his mind on everyone else's money, and Jim Campbell's just released Untold Story behind the Bernie Madoff saga, which includes exclusive interviews with Ruth Madoff, Bernie's wife, defense attorney Ira Sorkin, for which Bernie waived attorney-client privilege, as well as never-before-published details from Jim's personal communications with Madoff in prison before his death. Right now, I've got famed journalist, author Jim Campbell on the line from New York City. Hey, Jim. Jim Campbell, welcome to the program. I, I, I can tell you that what I keep hearing about your book is that we really didn't know the entire story of Bernie Madoff, did we? Uh, yes, that's a great lead. People are going to be stunned how little they know. They thought it was one guy, you know, acting uh, behind a curtain. And really, he was enabled by f- over 40 years, uh, ranging from a, a select group of what he called the big four investors who gave him money when he needed it and ended up having the power to extort him uh, by the, his hedge funds who fed him money and turned a blind eye. By the SEC, the government did five separate investigations and never even found that he had a hedge fund business uh, of any size. And his bank could have looked in his account in five minutes and seen he wasn't trading, no investment trading, which is a sign of a Ponzi scheme. They never looked in the account. So, yeah, the the book you'll you'll find, uh, it'll probably blow you away when you see that. And I also make the first determination from a media source whether – the family knew. Yeah, and it's amazing, too, because it, it seemed like he wasn't saying much of anything while he was in prison, but at the same time, he was exchanging all these letters with you. How were you the chosen one here? You know, that's a good point. 400 pages, ranging from uh, handwritten eight-page letters. He only sent his son a one-page, uh, a one-sentence, excuse me, letter saying, so sorry, Dad. Not even love Dad, but I was getting these long things. He didn't even know me. Basically, Andrew Madoff, I, I got access to him for uh, an interview that I was doing on radio off the record for, for prep. And he, I asked him really tough questions. He was very straightforward, I thought. And then a second coincidence, his mother was moving to Florida, to Greenwich, Connecticut, where I live. So I took her to lunch. And we seemed to hit it off until we walked out. And I said, can I have a picture? And she said, you're wired, aren't you? But when she knew I wasn't wired, she connected me with Bernie Madoff. And the rest is basically history. Was she okay with you? Did you reach out to her and say, look, I'd like to talk to you about all this? Well, you know, she trusted Andrew. Andrew, uh, you know, the youngest son recommended me. Right. And she, uh, she, she, and then we just had, we had chemistry. Um, Bernie, said that he was going to talk to me because he was turning most people down um, because Andrew and uh, Ruth had recommended me and said I was sincere. He thought I would dispel the myth. Unfortunately, didn't quite work out uh, for him. And by the way, Andrew never said a word to him, really, after Bernie confessed the day before he was arrested. Not one word the rest of Andrew's life before he passed away from cancer. And also tragic, the other son, Mark, died by suicide on the second anniversary of Madoff's arrest? Not only is that exactly the exact day, but his legitimate secretary on the 19th floor, daughter, had worked with Andrew when they were in high school. And the day that he was arrested, they were, she was driving in a limo back home after work because it was late at night. And she called Sabrina and she said, 
Mom, Mark is not going to be able to handle this. He's going to kill himself. And he did exactly two years to the day after the arrest. Bernie ran two businesses, didn't he? His legit business and the Ponzi scheme business. They were both in the same building, I guess, what, a couple floors apart. And he did this for 40 years. That's exactly right. The legitimate business was worth $3 billion, not including any Ponzi scheme. He built them side by side. The most, it was one of the most ethical businesses on Wall Street, by the way. And, um, the, and then the biggest criminal enterprise, two floors down behind locked key card access that his own sons who ran the 19th floor never had access to. Wow. And all, it, all the letters that you received from Bernie, did he ever express, I know you said that he said, I'm sorry in this, you know, one sentence thing to his son, but did he ever express yes. any remorse as far as what he had done? You know, he would start off, Jim, uh, I, of course I have remorse. And then he would get wound up once again and say, you know, remorse is very hard for me. These, these, these investors were greedy. They wanted more and more. They wanted positive returns all the time. And they put all this pressure on me. And these big four guys were extorting me. They were bad guys. The biggest of the big four took $7 billion out of the Ponzi scheme, nine times what Bernie stole. So he was, in a sense, feeling like he was a victim, which is what narcissists tend to do. He was the one that was doing all this stuff. But in his mind, he was doing it for them. And they were putting pressure on him. So he was conflicted about it. He would say remorse. But then he would demonstrate he really didn't have a whole lot. What became of those big four that you refer to? Yeah, that's a good question. Not one of them went to jail. They had to give back um, a lot of the money. They, uh, Pickauer, who was the biggest one, gave back $7 billion. His wife, and uh, he, died, he drowned in a pool uh, a few weeks after the whole thing went down, if you can believe that. And, and Bernie knew he had that money because the bankruptcy trustee who went after him was only going to go after $2.5 billion. But Bernie sort of turned him into that extent. The others gave back around a billion or so. And, um, but they were never prosecuted for criminal tax fraud, which is what they were largely doing, too. They would get these fake gains, and then they would call in fake losses to avoid paying taxes on them. And they were never prosecuted for that. So they didn't go to jail, but they did give up uh, you know, a big chunk of the money that they had stolen. Jim, did you try to meet with Madoff in person at prison? I, I did, and the warden turned us down three times. Really? What do you think the reasoning is behind that? Yeah, they, the, the, the one reason they gave me was they thought I was a security risk, which, of course, is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Why. Yeah, that was the reason they didn't want any publicity. I don't know. But we did try to meet three times. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't talk over the phone because you're only allowed 15 minutes of prison on the phone and it's illegal to tape it. Right. So I was trying to get it word. He did call the house once collect and I wasn't here. My wife turned him down and he was really upset. <laughs> you don't hang up on Bernie. Well, I say good for your wife. Did uh, Ruth Madoff, <laughs> d do you think Ruth Madoff, having met with her, did she understand what, Mer what uh, Bernie was into or was she totally innocent of all this? She, I asked her what was the first thing she said when Bernie finally confessed that December 10th, 08, the day before he was arrested by the FBI. And she said it's her first question, what's a Ponzi scheme? <laughs> so uh, she wasn't really. She actually worked in the business a lot, though, and she even balanced the checking account of the infamous J.P. Morgan 703 account where all that money went through. But no, she, she didn't know um, what was going on. She had a hard time, though, decoupling, breaking up from him in terms of, he, she was 
had cult-like devotion and the, really upset the boys when she didn't walk away from him right away. Yeah, because they were the ones who turned him in. What was the fi- what was the moment yeah. where where he was caught? Um, that that afternoon before he finally he had almost and it's in the book and the book starts he almost had a nervous breakdown in his office. So the boys rushed in um, and took him home. They got home and um, he confessed for the first time, and that's where the book Mark collapsed. And and then they both left and went to their lawyers and asked how they turn him in. By the way, after this tremendously emotional moment, that night was the firm's annual Christmas party, and Bernie and Ruth showed up at the Christmas party. Oh my gosh! Did you see the uh, the De Niro Bernie Madoff film? I did not read. I did not watch any of the films. I did not want to do it. I knew the family, and I just didn't. I didn't want to watch the ones that were on. So no, I haven't seen it. Bernie did talk about it in the book, what he thought was false depictions and things like that. And that's in the book. And as you say, I mean, as we uh, as we say goodbye, his his feeling was that, Jim, he was a product of an overall corrupt Wall Street, right? That he almost didn't take blame for any of it. Yes, he uh, he always passed the blame. It was his big four. It was the feeder funds, even though he set up all those arrangements. And yes, he called himself a victim of the corrupt culture. On, on Wall Street. He felt bad his kids committed suicide, obviously, and that they would not forgive him. Um, but uh, other than that, remorse was something uh, that, that he was conflicted about, and he rationalized blame everywhere. These long letters were like Nixonian, you know, compulsive uh, you know, rationalization of his behavior. Jim Campbell's stunning book, uh, Madoff Talks, uncovering the untold story behind the most notorious Ponzi scheme in history at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and MadoffTalksBook.com. Jim, great talking to you. Good luck with everything. Great, Jim. My honor. Thank you very much. Bye. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Ultimately, Madoff fleeced thousands of investors, including celebrities across the globe, to the tune of $65 billion because the billions he had already made legitimately just weren't enough. Well, that does it for this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.